The Simon Shore Podcast is presented by Boxscore Network. Boxscore Network is your one-stop shop for all things NFL podcasts. You want game analysis, betting lines, hot takes, and fantasy advice? Check out Boxscore Network. Follow Boxscore Network on Twitter at Bscore Network for updates. Oh, hi, and welcome back in to another episode of the Simon Short Podcast. I am Simon Short. We are here bookending a two-parter across the NFL season here uh, with our end-of-season NFL awards. Joining me to do that, of course, is my pal and co-host on the Stat Sheet Podcast, Ronan Summers. Ronan, welcome back in, man. What's up? Hey, hey. Uh, I'm excited to jump back in. This is something that we do, I, I guess, every year now. Kind of, I yeah. guess maybe twice a year, sometimes three the, times a year because preseason, right? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. So uh, I mean, unfortunately, this is going to be the last go around for a couple of months. Womp, Simon, womp, 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 womp. I didn't. I didn't say it when we recorded stat sheet this week, Ronan, because I I didn't want to bring Ben our our buddy Ben Parker down. We only have three games left of the NFL season, man. That's um, that's that's a bummer. But on the bright yeah. side, you know what's right around the corner? XFL. XFL. <laughs> All right. Hey, you know what? I thought we were on the same page. <laughs> that was amazing. That was so good. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. The oh. XFL. It's not even the XFL anymore. That's great. UFL, uh, whatever it is. Uh, the, the rock whatever the league. rock is doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, baller season season six, right? Is that what's happening? <laughs> uh our Mendenhall is writing it. Um anyways, all right. End of season awards. <laughs> Ronan, when we did the midseason awards, there were there were so I mean, first off, it, everything looks so different than it does now in across the NFL. And we we kind of said on that pod that that was going to be the case. We said it was going to come down to the end of the year, really the last three weeks or so. So many big primetime games, so many big matchups, so many teams getting fully fleshed out in terms of when it comes to like MVP, right? Who really matters? Offensive player of the year, who Who's and defensive player of the year really? Who who kind of kept the momentum through the second half of the season? Um, what did you just kind of from a big picture point of view think about the home stretch of the NFL season and some of the I don't know if you if you took any like pros or cons or just interesting tidbits away from how your thoughts on the awards had changed uh, from the first half of the year? Well, Simon, I'll tell you what there, there was some real sloppy play early on in the season, um, mm. primarily from the quarterbacks. And I don't know if it was all necessarily cleaned up, but I think it got better as the season progressed. Um, so I think the idea that a quarterback would potentially take MVP became more and more, I guess, acceptable. Um, because whenever we did the midseason uh, episode, it, it truly seemed you – know, we're looking around like what quarterback even deserves mm-hmm. this, right? Mm-hmm. I think right going into that episode, I truly I wanted to put CJ Stroud in there just because no one else stood <laughs> out. You know, where where do we go from here? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you, you said everything changed, but I think that there are a few guys that you know kind of remain level headed and uh continue to stay atop you know, whatever position they were at. And I'm sure there are gonna be at least couple of guys maybe one or two uh that, that we talk about repeat uh from maybe the mid-season episode 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, let's just dive right in. Let's start. We we don't pitter patter around on this podcast when we do our awards, Ronan. Let's just jump right into the deep end here. Uh, MVP, the 2023 league's most valuable player in the NFL. Who did you end up going with? Uh, you know what, Simon? I, I might have shown my cards. We might not pitter patter, but we, we might show our cards around here because I'm going with uh, three more letters after MVP, and that's CMC. Um, Christian McCaffrey, man. I, I know, you know, he's not going to win it just because a, a quarterback will. Um, but the dude is legitimately the most valuable player in the league. I mean, you go back in time. I know this is a this year award, but mm-hmm. you look back for those Panthers teams. I mean, he <laughs> it's no secret that he was the most valuable player on that team. Now you fast track to this year. He's alongside all of these stars, right? Debo Samuel, George Kill. You got uh, got Trent Williams. You got, I mean, Kyle Juszczyk. I'm dropping name dropping the fullback. You got Ayuk. I mean, you got all these guys. I'm not going to mention Purdy yet. Not yet, Simon. <laughs> not yet. And he's still the focal point. He's still, yep. you know, what yep. defenses have to game plan around going into San Fran week. Um, and he makes life a living hell for defenses. I mean, the dude ran for almost 1,500 yards. And whenever, you know, he didn't run for 2,000, he caught for 500 more. So, adds up to 2000 so the dude is legit um obviously there's there's no doubt about that um but he, he's the heart and soul of one of the best offenses in the league and you take christian mccaffrey out of that team and that's not the same and to me that's the most valuable player simon yeah i mean Ron, i was not that far away from being on the same boat as you at all i i kind of went into this exercise this week thinking McCaffrey was going to be my pick despite everything I've said about the guy who I did end up going with. And, and I'll get to that in a minute. What I've said about him all year long, what I said about him at the, at the mid season awards when we talked about it. Um, and despite, like you said, the fact that it, this is basically just a quarterback award. I mean, you go back to the midway point of last season and this 49ers offense went from good enough on the back of their defense to, like you said, being, the best in the NFL, and I'm team running backs don't matter. Uh, well, Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey. He, he's a whole different thing unto himself. Um, I have some some numbers here that I, I pulled up. So in the Super Bowl era, can you guess how many players have had 2,000 yards from scrimmage, 20 touchdowns all-purpose, or at least rushing receiving, uh, and a rushing success rate of 54%? Uh, the rushing success rate just sounds like a really, really fickle yep. stat. I'm going to go with like two or three. Uh, you're, you're on the right track. Six it is six okay. now, only two in the last 19 years. So in really huh. the recent modern NFL, the way the game is played now, only two guys have done it. The other guy was, uh, one was obviously McCaffrey this year. The other was Jonathan Taylor in his breakout year in 2021. Um, Technically, only two other guys have done it. They just did it in back-to-back years. Your guy, Marshall Falk, in 2000 and 2001, and then Priest Holmes in 02 and 03. A couple of, couple of fun ones there. Um, you hit the nail on the head there. The, the rush success rate stat is really the real context. I mean, just to give it a little bit more depth to it, only nine players in the last five years have had at least the 270 carries that McCaffrey had. He had 272 this year. 
with a success rate of even 50% or better, it, it like it doesn't happen. You know, you're inevitably stopped for one yard on a first and 10, right? He, but he consistently turns what would be no gain into three yards, what would be three yards into six yards, what would be six yards into 10 plus. And you really saw it, especially in here in the last couple of playoff games and down the home stretch of the season for the Niners just over and over again. It was like, we need a play. We need to play. It's third and 10. Eh, just a swing pass to McCaffrey behind the line of scrimmage and he'll get a first down, right? Or, or it's it's third and five. Okay, let's just run out the middle and let McCaffrey run behind Trent Williams, pull in from left or right, and like he'll get 14 yards. And that just doesn't happen for other teams. And it's not a... When the chips are down, most teams have to be able to rely on their quarterback. And this team can not only rely on not a quarterback, but their running back. And that's not a thing that we see. Um, so I, I was with you until I started pulling these numbers. I have McCaffrey at getting the number two vote on my MVP ballot. Uh, spoiler, I have him as my offensive player of the year instead. I went with Lamar Jackson as my MVP. And I've said this on this podcast enough. It hurts me to my core that uh, I'm the one banging the drum here for Lamar Jackson pretty much more than anyone I know. Um, and also, I think we can all agree, like, Lamar's going to win. It's just going to happen. I mean, the big wins down the home stretch of the season, number one seed, 13-3, and three, a top two, three offense overall, um, and just how this whole thing gets voted, you know? who is the quarterback for the best team and or playing best at the end of the season, right? Um, also, he stayed healthy all year, something he hasn't done in a while. His offensive weapons around him were continuously getting hurt. And he's just, he's been really good. And not just, not raw numbers, not wins, not electric runs, uh, but the way he's managing games, managing pockets, the arm angles, the difficult throws he's making, the easy throws he's making, it's been incredible for Lamar Jackson. Here's a number on him. He's just the second player in the last five years to go for 3,600 passing yards, 24 passing touchdowns, 800 rushing yards, and five rushing touchdowns. Okay, now, with that context of knowing only in the last five years, do you want to guess the other player that did it? It's another quarterback that's still a starter in the NFL right now. I don't even hit me. Who is it? Kyler, believe it or not, in oh. 2020. Uh Cardinals went 8-8 eight and eight that year, and they were the 13th best offense in the NFL. Baltimore is the best team in the NFL, like I said, 13-4 and, and fourth in, in scoring overall. So Lamar's doing something that's just like truly rare in being a true dual threat elite quarterback for and, and being an engine of an elite number, you know, one, two, three offense so with that I, I had him at mvp how how close did you have if you had gone with quarterback would you have gone with lamar um how do you feel about that yeah i i think had i gone with quarterback i think it would have been to lamar but i i think the drawback for me is you know, compare this season to his mvp season his first mvp yep. season yep. right and i mean it, it is night and day so I mean, yes, he's had had a fantastic season, um, and Baltimore would not be where they're at uh, right now without him. Uh, they're definitely patting themselves on the back for finally just giving him the money. Um, but I don't know. I, I didn't think it was necessarily, 
you know, award worthy, I guess, maybe Super Bowl worthy. Now that's a different story. You know, he's playing well enough to go win a mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Um, yeah. it's just the the box score stats aren't necessarily there. So and, and whenever you look in years past, the, the the award typically goes to the box score guy. So mm-hmm. it's just a, a weird year for the award. Um, but I, I completely understand giving Lamar the MVP. I I think that because I, I was with you, like the it was going to be he's the narrative choice, and I mean the play is is fantastic, but just based on how the voting happens, right? The the numbers, like you said, aren't aren't that gaudy, but the rarity for me was what got me, like. I would have thought based on those numbers, because, yeah, like they're nothing staggering. I mean, when he was MVP, he threw for, what was it, 36 touchdowns to the 24 this year, right? 3,100 yards to 3,600 yards. Like, okay, that's, you know, that that's obviously an improvement, but like it's not like so many. It's not staggering, right? Um, as a runner, his MVP year, he had over 1,000 yards, I, I want to say. Yeah, 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns this year, 800 yards and five touchdowns. But the rarity this year of putting up the what is, you know, 3,600 yards in this day and age is is nothing to scoff at, but it's not the elite level guys. But to also add the 800 yards and then, oh, by the way, it's not just like, okay, the only other person that had done it was Kyler, and that was a middling offense, right? So it was really – if Kyler in that year didn't produce the touchdown or the yards, nobody was right. Like he, he was the entire, he was creating everything. Whereas Lamar is fueling what is and creating what is a fantastic offense this season, which is an offense that can run it up on teams, which can blend into different things, right? We've seen them adjust. We saw them adjust and it's a regular season award, but just as an example, we saw them adjust in the Houston game, where they had their normal passing attack and, and QB run stuff in the first half, and Houston was blitzing way more than they ever did all year, and so they were able to switch their attack to be a more quick, quick attack, right? Pass, quick passing game um, that we wouldn't have seen them do in the past, and and they're just that kind of offense, and they they do that on the back of Lamar. So it was the rarity of the dual threat plus the elite offense. That really sold me. Um, but I mean, dude, I was I was so close to still saying McCaffrey too, because there's there hasn't been a running back since since the two thousands, right? Like the 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 two thousand to two thousand nine tens, right? That was the offense the way McCaffrey is for that team. And he truly takes them from just just good to to fantastic. Um did you consider anybody else? Like if you were, if you, I, I mean, Tyreek has fallen off. I think we, I think we both mentioned him in the midseason MVP award. He, he obviously dealt with injuries throughout the second half of the season. Um, did you give any other real credence to any of the other quarterbacks or any other players? Um, Not, not really. Um, I wasn't going to give it to Brock Purdy. I wasn't going to give it to Dak. Um, so I mean, Mahomes, I think you can always make the case, but his receivers just kept dropping the ball, uh, literally. Literally. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I, I think it was really between the two. Yeah. For me, at least. Yep, yep. Same. I mean, that was my one-two on my ballot. Now, I did – this is the first year the NFL 
is going to a five-man ballot for these awards, which is really exciting. It's something that the NBA does. I think a couple of the other sports do it. I don't know for sure, though. Um, and it's really cool because, you know, you go click on the pro football reference and you go look at the year. Or you see that player. You can see how many times they were voted third in MVP, right? Even if they never got it, MVP, only one guy gets it every year. So if you're consistently on the ballot, like that's really cool. So so I went ahead and I made a ballot. I didn't tell Ronan about this. So he's just going to help me out and, and tell me if my ballot is good or not. He he gets to be straw man on Twitter that yells at the voters ballot and, and didn't have to make one himself. So it's going to be perfect. So Ronan, I want you to tell me how I did. OK, perfect. All right. So I did include obviously, like I said, McCaffrey is two. I just went quarterback after that. No other skill player this year even touches the conversation, I think, at this point. So 11 quarterbacks this year. I, I used the 3,600 passing yards and 24 touchdowns of Lamar as, as the baseline. So 11 quarterbacks hit that. So my remaining three spots came from that list. Um, the funniest name on here, by the way. Well, actually, there's a lot of funny names on here. Bake, Baker's on this list. Derek Carr is on this list. Um Jordan Love is on the I mean it's just it's it's very funny. So here here's where I went. I ended up going with Josh Allen at 3, which seems insane. I mean 18 interceptions, he was like bottom 3 or top 3 in that however you, you know, however you want to call it. But the miraculous second half of the season for him and the Bills to get them back in and get those guys and in, back into the playoffs. On his on his back, right? Just like incredible. Four, I went with Patrick Mahomes um, to deal with, like you said, the receivers that he dealt with all season and still drag them by the skin of their teeth, right, to to a top 10 offense finish and, and win the division. And look, now they're in the conference championship game again. Um, and he's kind of like Lamar James of the of the NBA. Like he's just got to he's just got to be on your ballot if he plays the whole season. Um, and then five, I did go with Dak Prescott. As the guy that when you think about where this award was narratively, he was really the last man standing right before it just became Lamar, right? Week 14, 15 thereabout. Brock Purdy, I think just one week before Dak kind of fell out of it. And then it was just like, this is Dak's unless and unless slash until he screws it up and then it's Lamar's. And, you know, we, then we had the last few weeks of the season. Um, he also had 36 touchdowns, which is the most of anybody on this list and i think led the league this year if i'm not mistaken so that that was my one through five i went um lamar jackson christian mccaffrey josh allen patrick mahomes dak prescott uh which of those do you want to yell at me about uh you know what none of them uh i, I think all five of them are justifiable uh i, I might have I don't know. The the 18 picks kind of make me want yeah, to <laughs> slide Allen down a slot or two. Um I truthfully, I, I would I I'd probably put Allen down to five and then maybe Mahomes three, Dak four. Uh personally, just because I mean Dak did have the better season pretty much all around than Josh. Mm -hmm. Uh regardless. I mean, Josh definitely is the bigger impact on the offense, but um, I mean, Dak, Dak had an all right season. Dak had a Dak season. Led the league in touchdowns, led the league in completions, only had nine interceptions, 4,500 yards. You know, it was fine. Whatever. Where'd they, where'd they go in the playoffs? That's what it all comes down to, Simon. That's what it all comes down to. Man. 
and being being the true stack believer on on box score network it's a, it's a tough job but you know we do what we can um i uh, i i don't i don't really have much of an argument for that I, but but i i do think those are those are the five um so i'm happy to hear you agree with that your your boy matthew stafford is, is on this list of 11 here um and he did it in the fewest games of anybody on this list with just the 15 and one of those 15 was a couple games he got banged up in so Good on, good on Stafford. Good year. Um, <laughs> got Rowan shaking his head already. I mean, let's get, he, let's get. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know MVP. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe get, maybe, maybe gets a fifth place vote or two. You know, that, that that's always nice for the legacy. Um, <laughs> offensive player of the year. Let's hit the next award here. Uh, I've already spoiled mine. I went with Christian McCaffrey. Uh, for for all the statistics that I laid out and everything Ronan said. So, Ronan, just go ahead and tell me, man, who did you give your offense player of the year to? You know, I, I, truly, it's between two guys. Um, I'm I'm going to stray away from quarterback, right? So, I mean, you can go down the list. We just talked about the quarterbacks. But bring a new guy into the conversation. I think last just last episode or last time midseason, uh, I went with Tyreek here. I think I'm gonna change it up though, Simon, um, because like you mentioned, he I don't want to say he fell off, but he he declined a little bit um, mm -hmm. from his really really hot start. Um, CD Lamb, 135 receptions, mm -hmm. 1,749 yards, 12 touchdowns. I mean, he was. We were just talking about how Dak had a really good year. He wouldn't have done that without C.D. Yep. Lamb. Uh, C.D. is the option one and two for that mm -hmm. offense. Uh, you know, he, I mean, 135 receptions, you would say so. Um, he was reliable, man. There, there's not a whole lot more you can say about it. He was, at any time Dallas needed a big play, they turned to C.D. And more often than not, he, he turned the tables for him. Yeah, I mean, talk about... Right, Tyree going the first half of the season. We didn't really have Justin Jefferson at all this season. AJ Brown was like quietly right there behind Tyreek the whole first half of the season. And and it was just kind of blurred by the weirdness in Philly, which ended up, you know, obviously taking over and winning out the second half of the year. <laughs> and CD was the one receiver that just like really felt like they blew up in the second half of the year. Um, he had an incredible season. Uh I I love this pick. He is not far off from my lead he's on my ballot for this um this was the first year that they really started moving him around a lot within the offense which was interesting right something a, a good wrinkle mike mccarthy threw in because like you said they needed to be able to go to him when they needed to make a play and they needed that to be able to be in all situations all downs and distances and against any kind of coverage any kind of defense and you can't do that if the guy plays in one spot, right? No matter what it is, what you know, uh, CD's a traditional slot player. Um, he had done that his first, you know, it was almost exclusively slot for the first three years in the league. Um, they moved him around more this year, and and it paid off because then he's making plays out there on the outside. He's getting more one on one opportunities, um, and I, I mean, he he bought out. He he took exactly when he. I, I ended up putting him third on my ballot. Um, I think I could pretty easily say second though. Um, I've, I've no arguments here. Who, who else did you consider? Uh, for Opoy, man, you could go with a, any of the quarterbacks, um, Tyreek, right. 
Um, trying to think, is there another running back that would have been in contention? I I don't think really. I mean, yeah. CMC really just stole the show there. Um, yep. you could go with like a weird one. Um, th- this wouldn't be a guy that would actually win the award, but like a Kyron Williams, right? Mm-hmm. Because how, of how efficient he was whenever he did play. Because I mean, he, he still was like top two or three in the league in rushing yards and missed like four games. Yep. Um, so I mean, that's just a name you could toss in there just for mentioning. Yeah. When I when I came up with my ballot, I came up with with four players, McCaffrey at one. And then my other guys were Tyree Kill, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, yeah, Amon Ross I haven't talked one. about a lot on this on this pod. Um, I just love the way that guy finishes plays, man. I mean, no receiver in the NFL catches a ball on the outside by the sideline and makes more of an effort to veer into the middle of the field so he doesn't have to do the tiptoe out of bounds thing, right? He eats as much contact as he possibly can to muster out as many yards as as he can. Um, I love that guy. So so McCaffrey, Hill, Lamb, and St. Brown, I believe if I did this right, are the only four guys that had 1,500 scrimmage yards and 10 touchdowns this season. After that, it gets a little murky. Uh, A.J. Brown was right there through so much of the season, but he kind of fell off as the Eagles did to, to end the year. He only ended – he had the 1,500 scrimmage yards, but he only had seven touchdowns. Um, and what's more important than that, because like as receivers get better and more teams have two or three good receivers, it's not like when we were growing up and it was like you have your one guy and he gets 12 to 15 touchdowns a year kind of thing. What bothered me more was he didn't have – he had, didn't have a touchdown since October. Month of November, month of December, no no touchdowns for A.J. Brown. So really, I hate to say this about a guy who's like so physically dominant, right? I, I, I understand how this sounds, so just know I understand how it sounds. Just a whimper to end the season from a guy like A.J. Brown. And that's, that's upset because I love A.J. Brown, man. And he was, despite how weird things were, for the Eagles even in the first half of the year, they were winning those games because it was when it was that same thing at when they needed it most. It was just like, okay, we just need to play here. Just throw it deep to AJ Brown and let him go get a touchdown. Um, that said, I, I probably wouldn't put him on my list just because of how the year ended. And I probably would just like throw a fifth place vote to Lamar since he's my MVP. Just be like, just be like and here you go. You, you also get some, some votes here. Um, but my top five was McCaffrey, and then in any order, you could do Hill, Lamb, St. Brown. I like it. I like it. I I mean, I, I can't argue with it too much because they're they're not slotted necessarily in each spot. Um, but I can't think of really any other names to throw in there to to take out. Uh so yeah, I, I, I like that five. All right, let's hit and, and we should mention that Hill, Lamb, and St. Brown were the three all pro first team receivers so uh the the world agrees with us there who were the second and again aj brown your guy puka who we'll talk about later brandon Ayuk, and mike evans ended up getting the second team um do they really do four second team receivers and three first team that's that's strange i've never really paid too much and and anyway sorry let me not get distracted uh defensive player of the year ronan so i i think the the first two were were pretty straightforward. I mean, it, it, they're 
and I think we we have a feeling that that's the way it's going to go in, in real life as well. Defensive player of the year, I think, is tougher. I think when the all-pro votes came out, it gave us a pretty good idea of where voters are going to go. Um, but I, I have some qualms. I have, I have a few qualms, uh, which is to be expected. Um, go ahead and give me your defensive player of the year. Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was too difficult, truthfully. Um, just sitting here looking at, I'm going with the guy who has the most sacks. Um, and, and oh. that's, that's TJ Watt, 19. Um, next closest is 17 and a half between Hendricks and, uh, Josh Allen, Jacksonville. Um, yeah, I, I don't get the, the, the Miles Garrett conversation. Uh, that, that's, that's been something that I, I think that ship sailed maybe a month ago, maybe a little bit less than that. Um, but to me, it's TJ Watt, and I, I don't really see how it's a conversation. I, I think you could maybe throw a guy like Fred Warner in um, just because of how effective he is, maybe even like a Roquan Smith. Yeah, um, just because of how, how vicious he's been for that Baltimore defense. But, I mean, shoot, man, uh, Miles or makes Max Crosby, right? Uh, I yep. mean – Yep, you can yep. throw him in there over sure can. Um, Khalil Mack, right? I, I'm giving you a lot of guys who I guess are on my ballot uh, as I learn who my ballot is. <laughs> um, my, Khalil Mack had a great season, 17 sacks, 21 TFLs. So, I mean, I, I get, you know, wanting to give Miles Garrett his flowers, but it's not this season. Um, it, it looks like it's TJ Watt time, Simon. All right. I'm glad we're on the same page here, Ronan, um, because, yeah, so here, here's what I was alluding to. When the all-pro voting came out, Miles Garrett and TJ Watt got the two all-pro first-team spots at edge rusher. No no complaints, no questions there. Garrett got 40 first-place votes, and Watt got 32. So that screamed to everybody that, like, hey, Garrett was going to win this. Now there's a world where it's, like, the 32 people who voted for Watt also voted for Garrett and all 32 of those people are also going to vote for Watt for MVP and uh, the, the, you know, whatever. Right. So there's a world where it's not, but everyone's pretty sure that Garrett's going to win because of this, but I'm with you. Um, and not just because of the sacks, although again, like quarterback and MVP traditionally just, this just goes to the guy who has the most sacks and, and Watt's got the 19 uh, to Garrett's 14. But here's everything else. So Watt had 19 sacks, 19 TFLs, 36 quarterback hits, four forced fumbles, three fumble recoveries, an interception, and a partridge and pear tree this season. Huh. No one else comes close to those numbers. I tried to get here. I gave you a, a slightly easier list: 15 sacks, 15 TFLs, 30 quarterback hits, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery, one pick. Still just TJ Watt. No one else has even done that. Um, only player to do that in the last 10 years is just TJ and JJ in 2014. So no one's done it since 2014, and it was another Watt. Um, I took out QB hits and the interception to try and widen the pool for this year. Still nobody else. Nobody had 15 sacks, 15 TFLs, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. Uh, Watt is literally a one-man wrecking crew on the defensive side of the ball. He's a legitimate game-changer as a defender. Um, you feel him in every game in multiple ways, and and he has the uncanny ability 
to he he he's MJ. He's okay. We need a bucket right here. Okay, we need a we need a play on defense. Um, and he's gonna get the sack. He's gonna stop the run. He's gonna force a fumble. Whatever it is. Um, when we did our midseason awards, and and listen, I know I'm a Steeler fan. I I get it. I get it. I put Miles Garrett second. All right. I said Miles Garrett at our midseason awards. All right. That because at that time through eight weeks, Miles Garrett was the best defense player in football. At that time, he had nine and a half sacks. Same as TJ Watt, by the way. I know I was talking about Watt. Um, but since then, he's had four and a half. In that same period of time, Watt has had another nine and a half sacks, right? So Garrett got hurt at some point in, in I think, early December, end of November, shoulder injury, and he really just also wasn't really the same to end the season. But even before that, uh, he he was just starting to fall off. And guess what? The Browns, a big case for him was the Browns were, through those eight weeks, far and away the best defense, right? And he was the best player on that defense. And since then, other teams kind of regressed back to where, you know, you know, I think Baltimore kind of overtook Cleveland for best defense. And I think that, again, regular season award, but that proved out when they completely demolished Stroud in Houston when after a week after Stroud knifed up the Browns defense. Um PFF and analytics and all that, and, and I like analytics, but it's just fun to say it negatively sometimes. Um, we'll point to pass rush win rate, right? Miles Garrett is second on that list at 30%, and, and Watts fourth at 25th. He's not far behind them. They'll point to double team stats, but then I can point to TJ Watt drops back in coverage like 10 times more a game than Miles Garrett does, right? So it all kind of evens out. Um so I pulled all those stats. You 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 didn't need any convincing, which which is nice. But uh, for any listeners that weren't weren't sure, um, T.J. Watt should begin defense player. And and you said this is the award that tends to be okay. It's this guy's turn. Okay, it's this guy. Right, Aaron Donald. Just like thanks for that, Ronan. Took the air out of this award for so long, winning those three. That it was like it's almost like Hall of Fame voting. Right, we have a logjam of guys that need one. So it was like. Watt got his in 01, Bosa got his last year. It's like, okay, well, we'll get Garrett this year. We'll get Michael Parsons next year. Um, but but it's Watt. It, it's got to be Watt. I, I I don't see how it can be anybody else. Um, sure, he wasn't doing crossovers over the center, um, but he did get 19 sacks. So, hey, there you go. He got one of them with no helmet. I mean, that's uh, – I'll, I'll take that. Um let me let me give you my ballot next. Uh, it's got a couple guys you mentioned here. So I had Watt and Garrett one two. I went with Roquan Smith at three. Um, I think I think I forget who tweeted this last week, but it's funny that off ball linebacker got has gotten devalued. Where you look at two of the best five defenses in the NFL, and they have the best four off ball linebackers, basically Roquan Smith and um, Patrick Queen in Baltimore, who. Uh, that's a first team all pro and a second team all pro. And then Fred Warner, who you mentioned and uh, Dre Greenlaw, who I don't, I don't think Greenlaw made all pro team, but he is, he is legitimately one of the best five linebackers in the NFL. Um, let's see. Quincy Williams got the other first team vote. No, I'm not going to find Murray out. Murray stayed alone, baby. Murray, Murray stayed. There you go. Um, Bobby Wagner and Demario Davis, so kind of legacy guys for for the other second team spot with Queen. Anyways, um, Roquan Smith, best defense, best player on that defense, and similar to McCaffrey, right? Roquan Smith got traded to the Ravens last year, 
and they really took off, right? They the, Through the first half of last year, we talked about on stat sheet all year, they were struggling. Mike McDonald, it was their first year with him as DC. They were going through some roster changes. Um, they were having a lot of miscommunication. Patrick Queen wasn't living up to expectations for a couple of years there. Roquan comes in and, like, was an immediate Band-Aid for the year, right? They They turned it around pretty much right when he got there, similar to McCaffrey. But then this year... I mean, it's like he's the antidote, like he like or or like a steroid. Not saying Roquan's on steroids, um, but they've just taken off and they're they're just incredible. And it's on his back, so I have him at three, and then I have two guys that are just have been around this list for a couple of years. I have Michael Parsons at four. I have Max Crosby at five. It wouldn't be hard to convince me to put Crosby at four. You know, I love Max Crosby. You're you're the biggest Crosby fan I know. Um, but that was my five, so I left off like. I left off Fred Warner because the, the 49ers as a whole haven't had that great of a season on the defensive end. They've had their ups and downs. Um, I didn't really consider anybody else. I'm trying to look through. There weren't there wasn't a defensive back season this year. That was, you know, Deron Bland was a great story with his what, like five pick sixes, but that doesn't that doesn't really get you into defensive player of the year conversation. Um Jesse Bates had a really good year, but he only got second team all pro safety. I'm trying to behind Winfield. Interesting. I might might not have done that way. Anyways, um, nobody else really stood out to me uh, other than maybe a Fred Warner. Uh what, what did you think about those five? Uh yeah. I I think between those five and then maybe the guys that you just mentioned, uh Warner, uh Bland. Uh, I, I think you can make a case, maybe sneak those guys in at four or five um, over a guy like Mike Parsons or something, just just for the sake of uh, adding variety. But, yeah, not not too much to argue with here, Simon. It's uh, pretty cut and dry. All right. Well, that was fun. Everyone give my mentions for me <laughs> at, at Defense Play there. I, it's, oh, I'm going to be so mad. Anyways, let's get to one that is going to make us happy. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Make you happy, maybe. <laughs> Bryce Young, right? Bryce Young? No, no, sure. not on that trade. Um, Ronan, tell me why C.J. Stroud is offensive rookie of the year. Uh, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions, over 4,000 yards, and led the Texans to the playoffs. Um, I mean, you could take the stats away, and if you just led the Texans to the playoffs on yeah. you know, playing like Brock Purdy, just dink and dunk, trying to keep the ship afloat, uh, probably would have gotten the award, but instead he balled out and only threw five interceptions, which as a rookie is borderline unheard of. Um, there are guys who will throw an interception three times in a game, um, you know, and it's like sometimes good quarterbacks do that. So the fact that he only threw five in the span of what did he started 16 games? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a- absolutely baffling. He walked in there and looked like a veteran pretty much from day one. I think that's that's a huge props to you know the coaching staff between Ryan's and uh, Slowick, uh, down to you know, just the, the players. I mean, CJ walked in there. He was the number two overall pick, right? He wasn't the first quarterback taken. Everybody had the what was it the Wonderlick test, mm-hmm. whichever test it was, where you know everybody thought he was dumb. Well, he can read defense is good enough to uh <laughs> pick him up apart and not to what give the ball over so i don't know man that 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 test is probably uh crossed off of everybody's list yeah now, that's not getting used again yeah that's no <laughs> that's for sure no shot. no shot but 
He he absolutely deserves the award. I think the only other guy you can really make the case for is Puka Nakua just because of his record-breaking season. Um, but unfortunately for Puka, he's not a quarterback, so he, he's got to go kind of waiting towards the back of the line. Yeah, Puka had the best rookie offensive weapon season or at least best rookie wide receiver season in NFL history, and unfortunately for him, CJ Stroud had the best rookie quarterback season in NFL history in the same year. So, yeah, you're, you're not going to get the award when that happens. Um, I have some numbers to back up a couple of those points you made. Only two quarterbacks have ever had at least 450 pass attempts with five or less interceptions in that in their rookie season. No Stroud and Dak Prescott. Dak, baby. Um, Texas QBs, man. Stroud is the first rookie in the Super Bowl era to throw for 4,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, and five or less picks. Um, and and like you said, the interceptions is really the mind-blowing stat. Just 1% of his passes were picked off this season. I took the interceptions away from the filters and, and only got even four, four names, four more names for the 4,000 yards and 20 touchdowns in the rookie year. Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Justin Herbert, and Jameis Winston. Jameis. Um, of those five, Stroud had the fewest attempts, but the third most yards and second for tied for second most touchdowns. And the next closest in interceptions was Herbert, who had 10 and a 1.7% interception ratio. So nearly twice the rate of interceptions and literally the tw- like twice as many interceptions as Stroud um, was the next best guy when it came to turnovers in their rookie season. So just just a historic, incredible year from Shroud at the quarterback position. Um just just incredible stuff. And you got you gotta love it for for the Texans, man. It was a ton of fun. I know it was a I know it was a bummer of a a, a way to end the season for them. Um but you mentioned it not only to get to the playoffs in for a team that drafted second and then ended up drafting third in the draft. But they won their division, right? They didn't just limp. I mean, they kind of just limped in, right? They they officially sealed it in week 18 that they got into the playoffs. But they ended up winning their whole division on the backs of rookies, rookie head coach, rookie edge rusher, rookie quarterback, rookie receiver, everything. Um, really, really impressive stuff from Stroud. Any, anything else on, on Stroud before I give you some Puka stats? Um, you know, Simon, I'm just sitting here looking at it, and it, I'm just like in that weird time in my life because I'm the same age as an NFL rookie, um, and I'm over here doing a podcast, going to class, and he's making millions and threw 23 <laughs> touchdowns and five picks against NFL defenses. And I mean, if you threw me out there, I might be able to tell you what the middle linebacker is doing. Might <laughs> the middle linebacker is in my helmet, sir. Uh, that's that's what he's doing. Uh, listen, just know you're you're a handful of years younger than me. So um, for every one rookie you've got, I've got another fifteen. And uh, just wait till just wait till the guys are like eight years younger than you. Then it then it gets fun. Then it gets real good. Um, here's some Puka stats for you. Uh, obviously, best it. rookie receiving or uh, season of all time. Only rookie receiver with fourteen hundred yards and hundred catches. Here's a list of rookie receivers with 100 catches in NFL history. Puka Nakua, Jalen Waddell, and Quan Bolton. That's it. List Not of bad. rookie receivers with 1,400 yards in their rookie season. Puka Nakua, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. Good stuff. Let's let's lower it down to 1,200 yards just for fun. Anquan Bolden, Randy Moss, Odell Beckham Jr., Puka Nakua. I like and then that Jamar list. Chase, Justin Jefferson. 
man, when so we week after week one of the NFL season this year, when Puka had had it, it, that breakout game in, in week one, I did a podcast um, with, with Peyton Davila where we did our league winning waiver wire fantasy pickups, right? And so Puka obviously came up in that conversation. And and so I went through it and I was like, okay, like these are the here are the number of receivers that have had a, a week one performance in their rookie year, like Puka Nakua. And there was like seven names on the list or so. And then it was, okay, how many of those have translated to an actually like successful season, a wide receiver one and fantasy level season? And it was only Anquan Bolden, right? That his I mean, incredible rookie year by Bolden, and to do it, you know. Back then when he did it, what it was – and I know back then it wasn't that long ago, but still. Um, in an era of football where they're not throwing the ball like they are now, is incredible. And I was like, "That's there's no way it's going to happen. It's only happened once. We've seen so many good week one performances. And he did it all the way freaking through, all the way down to the last game of the season, man. P- Puka is incredible. Um, and yeah, he so he was second. He's second on my ballot. So it's Stroud one, Puka two. I'll give you the rest of my ballot in a little bit, but do you want to give us uh, some some Puka love here real quick? Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, going into the draft, obviously, um, his 40 time wasn't ideal. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what the reasoning behind that was. Uh, he just might not test well. Uh, but the the thought behind him was he was a little bit slower. And then he gets out there on the field. And I mean, if you go back and watch him in college, there was no problem with his speed. His game speed was, uh, I mean, he, he's he's a he's a fast guy. Uh, but he's also big, and he's a willing blocker, and his route tree is diverse, and he routes up just about anybody who lines up across from him. Um, he's he's Cooper Cup Jr. Hopefully, uh, that, that's that's kind of what I'm I'm sitting here envisioning because it, he just does all of the same things that Cooper does. Um, just he's younger, and if we can, we being the Rams. Uh, keep that torch lit and get it passed along as Cooper nears the end here. I'm all for it. He, that, I mean, those first couple of weeks, man, it was just like, everyone was talking about, okay, when Cooper comes back, this is going to fall off. It was like, dude, this isn't, I mean, like Cooper in the sense that like can be a, a all pro wide receiver, one game winning season, winning Super Bowl winning dude. But it was like, this dude is super Robert Woods from that first iteration of this McVay team. And it was like, these two could fit so perfectly. Oh, he's, it's incredible. I love him. So that's my one and two. Let me give you the rest of my ballot. Picks three and four you're going to love. Because I gave this team so much crap for their draft. And you were one of their staunchest defenders. And at three, I have tight end Sam Laporta. And at four, I have running back Jameer Gibbs. How about that? How how about that? Here here we are. Um, I will continue to argue that had the Lions waited till like round six and taken a running back, that he probably could have had ninety percent the efficiency that Jameer Gibbs had. But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about players that have had incredible seasons. So let's start with tight end Sam Laporta. You know, we talked about the best quarterback rookie season, the best rookie wide receiver season. How about the best rookie tight end season for your Ronan? Uh, Laporta posted uh, 86 catches for 889 yards and 10 touchdowns. He's the only 8,810 
rookie tight end we've had in NFL history, or at least since the Super Bowl era. Um, just to put in perspective, only three players have had 700 yards, 60 catches, and six touchdowns. So, and he blew those numbers just completely out of the water. So, incredible stuff by Laporta. Um, Jameer Gibbs, one of just seven players uh, to rush for 900 yards and 10 touchdowns and have 300 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns in their rookie season. So, incredible production by him. Um, tell me, the, the, what do you think about the Detroit offensive rookies being three and four on my list? Um, it's no surprise to me. Um, Laporta was actually no going into the season. Um, but I think in terms of tight end, a lot of people expected Michael Mayer to put up a lot of production. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kincaid, right? Those were kind of the two. Musgrave, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, Musgrave. But it it was Laporta who shined. Um, now obviously he was catching fire. Uh, in terms of you know attention throughout the off season, so it's no surprise that that he had as successful of a season as he did. But I mean, to do it this early, um, it, it sets a tone in in a place where it's Detroit, man. It's all about that grit, and he seems to bring that that mentality to the game. And then on the other side, man, Jameer Gibbs, good God. You're just talking about a sixth rounder being able to put up 90% of the production. I don't know, man, because this dude makes people miss like yeah, he crazy. Uh, he, he's he's just slippery, and he has a knack for the end zone. So I think he's only going to get better as his career goes on, too. Um, now, obviously, we typically see a running back's career kind of plateau around that 26-, 27-year-old mark. Um, so time will tell, but – Man, during his prime, these early years, expect a lot of production out of Jameer Gibbs because he's full of it. Where I struggled here was at number five for my ballot. So I'm going to have you help me out with this. Um, the odds say, so uh, I, I found this this site this really just this week, uh, sportsbettingdime.com. I want to give them a shout out. They do a good job of tracking and very clearly presenting um, the odds for these awards week over week. Um, so on offense, they have uh, Stroud and Puka one, two, and then Bajan Robinson is, is three uh, pretty comfortably for much of the year. Um, and, and I think he has a case for five, but I, I really like what the Lions guys did um, better. But Bajan is just one of four players to rush for 950 yards, receive for 450 yards, and have four receiving touchdowns. The other three were Edron, James, Saquon Barkley, and Matt Forte. Matt Forte, there's a name for you. Um, but his year was just marred by so much of the team's issues and Arthur Smith. And those numbers, to me, speak more to just a weird utilization of him more than his incredible skill and versatility, which is absolutely there. Um, but, I mean, he had just as many receiving touchdowns as, as rushing touchdowns, which I just – find so strange even if stylistically it's not actually that much different than gibbs but gibbs had 10 rushing touchdowns to four so i don't know how to fight between the numbers he actually put up versus what kind of our expectations and hopes were at the beginning of the season right and just the end result of the season for the falcons and like i mean again neither did gibbs but like Bijan wasn't even, you know, the the top running back on his own team for in terms of, you know, carries and snaps and all that sort of stuff. So then the other two guys I, I considered, 
were Zay Flowers and Rasheed Rice, who are both uh, uh, pretty, pretty, in pretty good standing with with the odds. Not not quite as good as these other four I've mentioned, but they're they're in there. Um, and they're two of just fifteen guys since the Super Bowl era that have had seventy five catches, eight hundred and fifty yards, and five touchdowns. Um, Rice had almost a thousand yards and, and seven touchdowns. Flowers was closer to this eight hundred fifty mark and and five touchdown mark. Um, and they're both good, and they're both for winning teams and. When you consider like the injuries to Odell Beckham and, and Mark Andrews and um, the year Travis Kelsey has had and then all the other receivers for Kansas City, pretty much like the top most consistent targets throughout the year for their teams. Um, so that from a stylistic and, and narrative standpoint, I, I like how do I sort out my, my fifth place vote here that I that I don't have between Robinson, uh, Rasheed Rice and uh, Zay Flowers? You know, I think as much as I would love for Bijan to be on that list, um, I just don't know if he did enough uh, to be included. Um, so I think I would turn my attention to the two receivers. Um, and I think those are the two correct answers. Um, gosh, I, I think man, I like both of them, too. So you're putting me here in a pickle. <laughs> I, I I might go. Those were like two of the guys, the two receivers that I was yep. really fighting for yep. was Zay and Rasheed. So, you know what what Zay did stepping up. Um, you know, kind of whenever Andrews went down was huge. Um, and then Rasheed kind of being that that number one receiver for Patty. Um, kind of getting the heat off of Travis every once in a while. I, I'm I'm gonna go with the the guy that doesn't get talked about as much, even though he is on the Chiefs. Uh, and go with Rasheed Rice because yeah. he was a guy that I, I was very big on heading into the season, and it makes me look smarter if he's on my list. <laughs> there you go. We'll we'll put a little asterisk there in, in the ballot. Um, uh, Ronan was high on this player. By the way, speaking of asterisks, let me let me quickly go back to defensive player of the year. It's not another TJ Watt stat. Don't worry. Um, for our guy Max Crosby, when we talked about him at the midseason point. We said that there would be a ceiling on him because of how bad the Raiders' defense was. They were they were 20th ranked defense by DVOA when we talked then. Do you want to guess where they finished the year in DVOA? I, I don't even know if I can guess. Eighth. Antonio Pierce took over, man, and they just wow. went hog wild. Um, be, be on the lookout for Raiders' defense next year. Um Eighth in defensive DVOA. So love that for Max Crosby. Anyways, let's get back to the rookies now on the defensive side. Um, and by the way, I, I like that. Yeah, Rasheed Rice, I'm, I'm into that as my fifth spot. Defensive rookie of the year. Ron, I'm going to see this to you because you have many, many rookies um, that are very much involved in this voting, or at least sh should be and should be more involved than, than they are. Um, tell me who your defensive rookie of the year is. Talk about talk talk about the award. Some of the guys you you thought about. Just go ahead and dive into this one. I'm gonna go with the conductor, uh, Kobe Turner, interior defensive lineman out of Wake Forest uh, for the Rams. Not not to be a homer, um, but the dude had nine sacks this season, 29 tackles. Uh, I'm trying to bring his TFLs up, and I can't right now. I apologize, uh, eight, but eight eight, eight, eight TFLs. Thank you, sir. Um, he, he was just a, a very large part, right, of a a young pass rush for the Rams. Going into the season, we were very, very, very skeptical of what this Rams defense would look like, right? That front seven 
I mean, if you went up to the casual fan and asked them, hey, name four people that even exist in the Rams front seven. It'll be Aaron Donald, Ernest Jones, um, um, and, and then you know, crickets. So Kobe Turner, nine sacks. Uh, he, he's my defensive rookie of the year. Now you can go down the list, and there's another guy, Byron Young, edge rusher out of Tennessee for the Rams. Eight and a half sacks, I believe. Um, absolutely tore it up as well. Uh, you, you could go either way. There are you know, a couple other guys you could absolutely give the award to. Um, but the Rams really stole the show here on the de- defensive side of the ball, um, and rookie of the year-wise or just draft class-wise. I, I guess you could say they just stole the show in general because we just talked about Puka, right, Simon? Yeah. Yeah, listen, the, those young guys for the Rams, man, they they were they were balling out. And and the thing with the Rams defense was we were like, okay, best case scenario. And most of this played out, right? It's Aaron Donald and then just a bunch of dudes running around hitting people. And there were. But for Turner and Young to actually stand out as well as individual players was I think what I found the most impressive because it was just like you know, the, when when the sacks started to pile up early in the season, it was like, oh, wow, they're getting good production for this guy. And it just it kept going and it kept going and it kept going and it kept and it was just all and it was like, oh, no, these are just these are just good players like they, they've, they've got actual good players here. Um, so that was fun. Kobe Turner is 16th among defensive tackles as well in pass rush win rate, which is very impressive uh, considering he's he's like a true nose tackle, too. So he's like in the middle, like this is a guy that's just meant to be eating blocks most of the time. Um, and he's, he's getting through that and um, get, getting to the quarterback as well. Um, really impressive stuff there. The other names to really consider, and I, I mean, honestly, th- this one's so hard because it's so hard to see the rookie's impact because um, they're not on the field as much typically. Um, they don't tend to put up the, the gaudy stats, although, like you said, nine sacks is really impressive. The other guys... That, that you can really consider here. I think my pick would be Will Anderson. Uh, the the Texans down to the second half of the season were one of the better defenses in the NFL, um, and he's he was the leader of that as, as the you know third overall pick edge rusher. Um, he's currently second in the odds, I think, but he was tied for second. I want to say, oh no, he's lower than that. He's fourth in among rookies in in sacks um, at seven. But he also had 10 TFLs, which was second among rookies. Um, first in quarterback hits with 22. So he he's causing havoc. And he was second, I want to say, in – oh, wow. He's third in pass rush win rate among edge rushers. And he was second in run stop win rate. So this guy – and we knew this coming in, right? He, he, he was kind of compared to a Khalil Mack type where it was like – He's not going to be the Watts and the Bosa's, right? 15 plus sacks a season, but double digit sacks and elite run defense. And he's doing that as a rookie. And this defense ended up being one of the better defenses in the NFL. Whereas the Rams, they were serviceable defense, not quite to that level, but also not that far off. So I think Will Anderson would end up being my pick, but Turner and Young both definitely getting mentioned here. Um, Jalen Carter. Uh, the rookie defensive tackle for the Eagles, who's who's also very high on these advanced um, metrics, 
and he's also in that top five in sacks. He had six sacks. Um, he he's been the heavy favorite throughout the whole year, and and that first half of the year you watch, and man, did he stand out on tape? I mean, he is just he is blowing dudes up off the line of scrimmage, just playing really really well, and he still had m moments throughout the year. I think he's probably one that like other guys on his own team, you know, just kind of marred by like the muck of what happened with the Eagles throughout the year. And their, their defense just got worse and worse and worse throughout the year. And it just felt like it wasn't, it wasn't being impactful. And and I know for like offensive and defensive rookie of the year, you, you try not to make it as much about that. But when you've got Will Anderson's and Kobe Turner's and Byron Young's putting up stats, playing well and having an impact on, what was a better defense than the Eagles? It, it's hard to go that way. Um, so so that that's kind of the betting favorite. Those are kind of the guys I'm looking at. Um, defensive backs to mention. Uh, I got to shout out another Lions player here, Brian Branch, your guy. Um, nickel corner safety. You weren't sure how that was going to kind of work out. Sam Laporte was the same. Jameer Gibbs was the same way. Where it was just like. They're getting these like kind of combo rookies, like two for one deals. What they have to have a they need a plan for these guys. And boy, did they have a plan for Brian Branch. Uh one of just two corners with um three or more interceptions uh, on the year, or, or I should say uh, one of just two rookies with with two or three or more interceptions on the year. He had three, uh, a couple sacks as well, good run defense coming in playing the slot, um, rotating back at safety some. Uh, Tyreek Stevenson, corner we really like out of Miami, plays for the Chicago Bears. He had four picks. He led all rookies in that category. Uh, and then Joey Porter Jr., to just get some mention, he's in there with some buzz to get on a ballot somewhere. Um, probably the best true coverage corner back play this year, uh, outside corner, um, and ended up just like shadowing number one receivers and playing lockdown defense throughout the year. Not going to have the numbers to really get himself in, in conversation for this type of award. Um, but those are some of the other names. Yeah. Yeah. Diaby as well. Um, what, what do you think about the the rest of the field there? And is there anybody else that kind of stands out to you? You know, I, I, I don't think I have any other names to add, maybe like a Witherspoon. Um, he yeah. got banged up though. Right? Yeah. The games play. I think he only, I pulled it up too. Yeah. I think he played in, 14 games started 13 yeah. of them so yeah got a little banged up had but same thing like three, three sacks he had an interception he had a forced fumble he ended up playing the slot um made the pro bowl like that, that's a good player that's a good player love him absolutely um but other than other than weatherspoon no one really stands out to me um i i think you could we named i i don't even know maybe five to eight different guys i i think you can kind of slot them in however you want uh, really from one to eight, right? Because there isn't, to me, a, a clear defensive rookie of the year. Um, like you said, Carter seems like he's the, the heavy favorite, and he was maybe like the fourth or fifth guy that we mentioned uh, here on this podcast. So, uh, I mean, th there are multiple guys that I think you could justify the award going to. Um, I'll be a little bit upset if it is to Carter because I, I think that that will – primarily be because of name value, right? Mm -hmm. Heading into the year, you know, everybody knew how good he was. Oh, well, might as well give it to Carter. Kind of like Aaron Donald getting the defensive rookie of the year. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't really know who to give it to, so let's just give it to the best one, right? Yeah. So, uh, but, man, I, I mean, 
pull up the stats. Kobe Turner against Jalen Carter. Um, maybe the snap count's not there. Well, I I guess for Carter, right? Um, but I don't know. I I think probably efficiency wise, Carter might take the cake. But you also have to take into account, you know, Kobe Turner being on the field, you know, a lot, Simon. Yeah, almost 700 snaps for Kobe Turner as a rookie nose tackle. I mean, Keanu Benton, I'm, and I'm looking these up on the fly, uh, rookie nose tackle. Well, that's Keanu Neal. That's not what I wanted. Um, rookie nose tackle for the Steelers ha- had a great season as well, but he was a guy that was consistently playing like a third of the snaps for, for most of the season. Yeah, he ended up playing 484 snaps, 43%. So, you know, 200 less snaps than, than Kobe Turner. I'm going to pull up what Jalen Carter played. Um, we should note that Witherspoon is third in the odds by uh, the sports betting dime metrics that they have. They have Jalen Carter, one, Will Anderson, two, Witherspoon, three, Brian Branch, four, Diaby, five, Joey Porter, six, Byron Young, seven. My guy who I shouted out at the midseason awards, Tui Tui Pelotu. Uh, is at eight. Kalaj Kansi has a nine. Kobe Turner's not even on here, man. So we're looking at Terrible. like plus twenty three thousand, right? So it's just like insane, um, insane numbers that that we're we're talking about him not sacks. being on there. Yeah, for a guy with nine sacks that played almost seven hundred snaps. Um, Jalen Carter played five hundred and sixty one snaps, fifty one percent. That's an, I mean, that's that's a crazy difference. We're we're talking about 150 less snaps. That's that's like three. That's almost the equivalent of three games for for a defensive tackle. Um, and Turner but kind of blew him out of the water th- from the sack perspective. Well, and that's kind because of, you look at tackles and yeah. all that, and then that's kind of where the the efficiency kind of kicks mm-hmm. in for Carter. Mm-hmm. So I I see it to an extent, but. You know, there's there's no ability like availability, right? And Turner was there all the time. Yeah, and and I I do give. I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like the numbers definitely favor Carter because of that. Like, oh, and way fewer snaps. He had just as almost as good a protect. But to me, it's like, dude, like you were able to throw a mid round rookie in there for 700 snaps and you played well. Like that's that's insane. That's something you don't see. So. I haven't even real, you know. I I said I I mentioned I said Will Anderson was my top. He he was pretty far behind, right? So so Jalen Carter, December twenty seventh by by Sports Betting Dime, was minus twenty thousand, and Will Anderson was second at plus thirty five hundred. Just one week later, here's how big that swing changed. Jalen Carter went to minus seven twenty five, and Will Anderson went to plus three sixty five. So. Mm-hmm. There were some very, very heavy numbers being put on Will Anderson to end the season. So I will not be surprised if he ends up actually taking it. If I had to put my official ballot, I'm very surprised Witherspoon was like third in voting for this pretty much throughout. He had like the third best odds all the way throughout the season. Again, name value, made some great highlight plays. Everyone remembered his highlights from from college during uh, draft season. And, and yeah, don't get me wrong, he definitely played well. Um I would probably make my ballot Anderson one, Turner two, Carter three, maybe throw love to Brian Branch at four, 
And then and then just because I got it, I got to two two below two. Can I can I just throw him my fifth place vote? He was still he finished year ninth in edge run stop win rate. So the ninth best run stopping edge defender in the league was it was two two below two. I gotta love it. I like that you guy. Do. I like you that do. guy. Let him Lil Mac and Joey Bosa walk. Make him make him number one on the depth chart. <laughs> um we sorted through a lot of muck there at defensive rookie. The, how, how did that sound to you? Anderson one, Turner two, Carter three, Branch four, and you go with Witherspoon or Tui Polo two or whoever at five you want. Yeah, I, I think probably me personally, maybe Witherspoon five, and then mm-hmm. uh, I think that's my list. That that uh, feels right because he played so well, but he gets the the ceremonial fifth for for games played and and snaps. Right. I, I I think that works. I like that. Um. All right, man. We we did it. Um, how do you, how do you feel about this season? These awards? You feel like this this wrapped up all right? Absolutely. Although you're not gonna be happy when MVP comes through, so I don't know. We do have some potential for some real disappointment. I mean, we we would like McCaffrey to win MVP. We know he probably won't, but at least offensive player of the year. But defensive player of the year has potential to be disappointing. Defensive rookie has potential to be disappointing. I like our ballot better, I think, than than what's what's what might end up happening. Definitely, definitely. I know they're gonna upset us, and we're gonna we're gonna have to go to war over over the keyboard. But at least we had our ballots. We did it. We did it. That um, should be listed in the Pro Football Reference. Yeah that that should be that should be another uh, column in in the page. I think. Um, exactly. Before we get out of here for the evening. We'll we'll dive deeper into this on on Stat Sheet Podcast next week, and we did a quite a bit of talk about the coaching carousel this week. So if you haven't checked out the Stat Sheet Podcast this week yet, go and do that. But Jim Harbaugh, just a couple hours before Rowan and I sat down to record here Wednesday night, January twenty fourth, agreed to terms to be the LA Chargers' new head coach. Rowan, we won't go deep on this, but when you saw this man, how'd you feel about the news? Uh, not shocked at all. We just talked about it, what, two days ago, mm-hmm. uh, talking about how perfect of a fit it would be. Um, Harbaugh has won everywhere he's gone. Uh, and Herbert, he, he's a true talent. He's a true, you know, top five, top three arm talent in this league. So, you know, I, I'm juiced to see him get paired with a head coach that, you know, should make him flourish. But time will tell, man, there's been plenty of time. Uh, where a head coach was supposed to walk into a situation and fix it, and things you know, either continued or got worse. Sean Payton, looking at you, man. Mm, mm. Yeah, uh, I love this move. I'm excited for it. I wanted the number one requirement for the next Chargers coach to be a culture resetter, right? As much as I love the offensive-minded guys and and prefer that from a true like building out your team perspective, I think that's a better format than going with the culture setter the chargers needed the culture setter right they, they've just had such bad luck and such a weird dynamic with their team for so long um that they they needed this and so then it came down to like the belichick harbaugh Vrabel, even a Pete carroll kind of world and to come out of it with the guy who's the most proven with quarterbacks himself and is also the offensive minded guy of that group. Um, I really love, and, and it's going to be weird and it's going to get feisty, but this, the culture set that the, the culture that Harbaugh can set plus as, as your floor, plus your 
ceiling being raised by what he's done with NFL offenses and, and good quarterback play in the past. And then the ceiling that gets raised even further with a guy like Justin Herbert. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm juiced. I'm ready to go. I'm very interested to see how he fills out his staff. Cause even, even if Belichick had gone and brought Josh McDaniels as his OC, right? Like even that would have been probably better. I mean, definitely better than Brandon Staley plus Kellen Moore. Right. Cause Josh McDaniels hated him as a head coach, still run, gets a pretty good offense together, right? And, and has done it with with the likes of Mac Jones. Um, so I would I would have even liked that. I'll be interested to see what Hardball puts together in terms of a staff. Um, but I'm very, um, very, very happy with this move, and, and and felt like the right move all along. I I completely agree. Um, you said it. I'm excited to see how this this staff gets put together. Um, whether it's you know guys that he just coached with at Michigan, or is he going to go back to the well? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some guys that he coached with in the NFL beforehand, or is it just going to be a whole new cast? Yeah, yeah, and he and and this isn't your typical guy just came from the college world, so you don't know what his staff's going to be like, or someone like Antonio Pierce with not a lot of experience trying to put a staff together, right? This is a guy that's been in and around football and the game and even the NFL for a number of years. So he's uh, he's going to put a good staff together. I'm, I'm pretty excited. Uh, Rona, anything else before we get out of here, man? I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me on. I, I can't wait to do the uh, the preseason awards next for next season. Oh, yeah, man. We, we've got stuff in the barrel for sure. Well, Ronan, thank you so much for being on the Simon Short Podcast once again. Everyone out there, thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you drop Ronan a follow on Twitter. I'm going to have that link. Make sure you're listening to me and Ronan on Stat Sheet. Make sure you're listening to all our pals on Box Score Network. Um, but we really appreciate you. Have fun and be safe out there.